This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. Hey, it's Metal Shop here on The Rock right now. Alvino... Oh my God! I'm I'm messing it up already. Alvino. <laughs> no, you're good, man. Salcedo. Salcedo. Okay, cool. Yeah, from, yeah. From a band called All of Feather and Bone, uh, Colorado-based band. Uh, saw them a couple years back at uh, the Northwest Terror Fest downstairs at, at the uh, Barboza. They totally tore it apart, man. Uh, played a bunch of uh, tracks from their record, Bestial Hymns of Perversion. Uh, first off, how you doing, man? How's it going? Uh, how are you staying sane? How are you staying safe? Uh, how, how are you not you know, going man, crazy? <laughs> no, actually, you know what? Not too much has, has changed for me, honestly. Uh, I work at a little like market, so we're open every day. Uh, we kind of don't allow people in the store, kind of doing like old school pantry style from like the 1800s. Yeah. But uh, no, every day I'm st- still working every day. Um, some routine things got kind of thrown off, but I guess, you know, that's just how, how it has to be for now. And yeah. um, so overall, uh, we found the kind of a good safe way to still be a band and practice yeah, okay. um, with one another so we're actually uh currently finishing up the new record so the follow-up oh. to these show hymns is uh currently wrapping up as we speak and um just kind of finishing touches on some songs kind of finishing over some rearrangements yeah of the songs and, and like kind of like riffs um our uh guitar player uh d he just kind of you know, he's a, such a perfectionist and like not in the worst, in a bad way at all, but more so just in a really positive manner that he could always like go back and listen to something that he wrote. And yeah. it's like, I can do that. Be- I can do that better. And um, what makes it a little more interesting, too, we've always written very organically as a band, uh-huh. which means like Dave doesn't really he doesn't really go home and like write a whole song. and go, cool. Here's this entire, you know, six minute song. Yeah, this is what's going to happen here. This is where the drums are going to be. Vocals He's more like. You know, I have a couple ideas for riffs, and let's just go. And him and our drummer, Preston, just kind of just feed off of one another really well that way. Like, they'll just be like, how do you want to start? It's like, let's start with a blast. Okay, go. And then, you know, before we know it, three hours later and some screaming matches and, you know, people uh, losing their minds a little bit, we have a song done. And after after the song has been written, we can kind of go back after, listen to it, reassess it, meet up again as a band and rewrite and kind of like, like I said, put finishing touches, and that's kind of where we're at right now is finishing touches on the last few songs. Uh, vocals will start coming in next, trying to fit vocals in, see where we want them, how they want to sound. And um, and then actually we're going to do something a little different this time around. We're going to have a lot more samples just due to um, Preston, our drummer. Cool. He runs a record label called Trust Collective yeah. with a, another local guy named Brandon, uh, Brandon, who's in a band called Vermin Womb, oh, <clears> from out yeah. here as well. Yep. 
Yeah, they're amazing. And so they, those two run a noise ambient label called the Trust Collective. And they've been putting out releases and pumping out tons of releases. But Preston has about three different ambient noise projects that he does himself. Yeah. And so he's going to be doing all the the samples coming up for the new record. So, yeah, after that, we enter the uh, studio on July 5th. We'll be, well, due to COVID and everything like that, it kind of got thrown off. We were going to go uh, record the record in Philadelphia yeah. with Arthur Rizik and, oh, nice. uh, again, with traveling. Yeah. Yeah, so we're really, we're really excited to have that happen. But... In turn, um, we have a good friend, Ben, who actually, very funny, I'm actually walking around talking on the phone because I'm like, I get super anxious sitting down. But um, I'm actually walking right by his studio right now, which happens to be across the street from my house. Okay. So we're going to actually go, yeah, so we're going to track there with um, our friend Ben from Juggernaut Studios, and then Arthur will take the mixes and the masters and finish it up for us. And uh, yeah, hopefully tie up all the loose ends and we'll see a new record soon. Cool, man. Well, uh, what was was that the plan, like, going into this COVID uh, situation? Was that the original plan, or did you guys, like, redirect and, and decide, like, hey, let's just focus on this? Or how how, how deep into the process of, of uh, doing a record were you guys when all this started to hit, like, in the beginning of March? So we had all the songs done, at least, like I said, oh, at cool. least the skeletons, yeah. at least the structures of things done. We, we were getting geared up to do it. We knew we were going to have a couple – hiccups with some like live shows coming up yeah and then when COVID hit we were like oh are these shows going to happen i mean some are had already like kind of been like hey we're postponing for now Mm because we don't know what's going to happen like okay and like but at this point you know back in early march we knew you know like okay maybe the summer plans will still happen you know we were obviously no one knew at that time what was going to happen for the upcoming summer for when it came to gatherings and whatnot so as those started to kind of fall off and then we had a european tour planned with uh, our friends at Mortiferum from actually from up north where you're at. Yeah, shout out and, Tony uh, Wolf. We're gonna go there. Yeah, the best dudes ever, and a killer record. The obviously one of the best records in recent times. Yeah. But um, and and label mates. So that also was a really cool thing. We were really excited. We're gonna go out there with some some old homies and uh, label mates and just kind of tear apart Europe for a little bit till they got to Kill Town and we were just gonna hang out there, take a little vacation, and because we played last year. And we were just going to go, because we love Copenhagen now, like, even mm-hmm. being there just for Kill Town was such a such a really cool experience that, like, now we're like, let's just go back, but we'll just hang out, we'll watch our friends play, and we'll eat food and chill in, in a cool yeah. city. But as you know as you know now, that's probably not going to be happening. So uh, yeah. I think when that hit, we were just like, well, I guess there's nothing left to do but just finish this record. And we kind of hit a couple of snags where we were like, is this worth putting out a record right now? Like, we can't follow up with it. We don't know when we're going to be able to tour and yeah. and support it but it kind of came at the end there that we were like well if we can postpone or we take forever with a new record will it you know how long is this going to take us to come out later so yeah adjusting adjusting with it changing our practice situation a little bit more uh yeah we kind of like you know what let's do it and like it just kind of hit where it was like mm-hmm. we hit our stride we hit our stride with the songs and we're like let's just go we're going to record this we're done and we'll get this we'll get this record out regardless if we can tour or or whatever but i think people have just been kind of Chipping at the bits a little bit to have a new record, so so yeah, let's let's, let's follow through. Let's get let's get some new music out there to people. Nice, dude. Well, I'm I'm definitely stoked to hear it. Um, and and uh, I, I wanted to go back a little bit and and ask uh, because we've kind of seen uh, a, an evolution of of Feather and Bone. So uh, when I first heard you guys, it was more of the like chaotic, dark, hardcore kind of coming from that scene. And you guys have gone straight like full like uh, caveman death metal almost. Uh, what uh what 
what kind of um, led that uh, kind of evolution, and, and when did you guys uh, decide to kind of tweak the sound and, and change it up a little bit? So a long time ago, we put out the first LP called Embrace the Wretched Flesh. We had written it, recorded it. At the time, had a label who was like, cool, well, I want the record, we're going to put it out. Um, we're like, cool, well, we're going to finish you know, writing it, recording it. It's like, great, just send it over, we'll get this record out. Yeah. So, you know, we took the, we took the months to finish writing and then recorded it and basically got put on hold for damn near eight months with no word. Wow. And and we were, we were still a young band and like this, you know, not mentioning names, but the label was like a cool label. Like, yeah, we're going to, we'll wait this out. Like, why wouldn't we wait for this opportunity? We're, we can be patient. No big deal. Cause I mean, it's our first LP. So yeah. we wait, we wait, we wait. We wait. And in that eight to like almost 10 months, we had already started writing and we had, had already been sitting on these songs for sheesh by that, by that 10 months, we had already been sitting on these songs for over a year because we had written them. Oh, damn. And we had been rehearsing them, practicing them. So these songs to us were incredibly old. Like I know, like it's, it's from the outside looking in, it's like, oh, they just put out a new record for us. It's like, dude, we've been playing these songs for well over a year and yeah. haven't really written anything. And by that point, you know, everyone evolves, every, every band evolves and people evolve. And we were already starting to write again. And that's when the point we started writing Pious Abnormality, the, uh, the demo from 2018. Yeah. We were working on kind of already working on the, the fringes of that. And, you know, so Embrace the Rich of Flesh finally came out and we were like, well, I guess we should do an honor to this record and we should tour on it. So we did. We spend the summer and a fall being on the road, take the winters off me and the of, you know, being from Colorado, trying to drive out of here in the snows, awful. And yeah. then on top yeah. of our jobs, need us, need us around for the holidays. So we need to be home. Mm-hmm. At this point, you know, we're already working on pious abnormality. And, you know, we kind of look at each other. It was like, do we just quote unquote, break up the band and start a new name? Do we keep the name? Is the name really that important? You know, and in hindsight, I think all three of us could agree we maybe should have changed the name of the band and left the history be history, you know, let a, a feather and bone fall into obscurity. But, you know, we we followed through and we owned the decision that we made that, you know, we kept the band name. And, you know, and the way I feel about it personally, I can't speak on behalf of the other two. But, you know, for me, it's like it's just the name. Like, if you're going to judge a band solely based off of the name and not listen to the content of it. It's like, do you really actually like music? You know, like mm-hmm. I hear bands and like, yeah, like anybody else, I hear a name and go, eh, that doesn't really strike my personal interest. But, you know, I put it on and I go, whoa, this band's awesome. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I'm glad I really, really gave it a chance. I think that's just the music lover in any person. It's like, they're just going to listen to it regardless of, you know, full-blown aesthetic or just name or totally. whatever, you know, it's like, if I see, this band is on a label that I like. They are associated with bands that I like. It's like, okay, I'm going to check this. I'm going to check this out. So mm-hmm. that's kind of when we just owned it. And, you know, when it came time for vocals, the older vocal style I was doing was actually very forced for me. I actually, like, messed up my voice a lot. It hurt every night after a set. I'd just be, like, super sore throat. I got to drink a lot of water. And then when I dropped my voice down, it was just, yep, there it is. That's how my voice should be. And that's how it should sound. And so, yeah, I think after Pious Abnormality, we're like, this is it. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to own it, regardless if people call us posers or people say we're jump bandwagons or, or whatever. But, you know, like we, I've always told anybody who's ever asked us of, uh, about our band, that we've been bla- doing blast beats since we started. We yeah. would play shows to punk kids, hardcore kids, grindcore kids, metalheads. It didn't matter who we were playing to. Mm-hmm. 
you know, people who knew what a blast beat was go, whoa, this band can blast. And why are they blasting like at a, <laughs> at a punk show or at a, you know, a DB show or a hardcore show or whatever we were playing, you know, like this is what we've always done. So we kind of changed the vocals up a little bit and threw in a little bit more riffage. But other than that, like we're kind of still the same band. We always yeah. were. We pull from black metal. We pull from crust. We pull from punk. We pull from death metal. You know, it's like, it's just kind of how it is. And evolving now, even after Bestial Hymns, we kind of like fell into a groove of like, cool, we really like enjoy playing old school style death metal. Yeah. Which is always like, you know, something that we love, but also adding in that weird atmospheric feel of like bands from like Australia, like bands like Temple Nightside, Grave Upheaval, Portal, Impetuous Ritual, things like that. Like trying to keep it very obscure, the, the making some parts very just chaotic where the person can't catch on, where it's just unrelenting the entire song where you yeah. kind of just go, wow, I need a break from this song. Or where is it, where is it going to break? Where is it going to stop? Where is it going to slow down for me? And it's like, we're not going to give that like gratuitously. And I think that's what the new record has a little bit more dynamic than bestial hymns. Like, I think we all wanted that just yeah. a little bit more slower parts, a little parts that hit a little heavier and, but still, there's still us. It's still our band. And I think it's a, a nice evolution and step up away from bestial hymns that will, not leave people going like, whoa, this band just did another 180 on us, you know, or <laughs> this band completely went, this band went off the rails. It's like, no, we're still, I think people will be hopefully pretty pleased with the follow-up to the record. So, yeah. Dude, there's a, there's like a total renaissance in just death metal right now. And, and, and I mean, you know, labels like Maggot Stomp and, and there's just so many cool underground labels that are doing just strictly death metal and so many bands that, you know, there's the like, uh, brutal death metal bands, of course. And then there's the more like, uh, knuckle dragging death metal, you know, sweatpants death metal. And, and it's cool. Like, what, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, like kind of like the renaissance and death metal? It must be pretty cool to be a part of something like that right now. Yeah, it's in one. It's amazing to just watch all of our friends' bands be noticed. To see bands that we've known that have been working super hard, like for a long time now, like you, yeah. like coming up, like kind of coming up with us, or just knowing that some of these people have put a lot of time into these bands, and like even being from Denver, where it just kind of like it was, a, it just sparked one day where yep. Primitive Man is on relapse, and then we see Blood Incantation like arise, and Spectral Voice Spectral comes Voice, to fruition yeah. finally. Yep. Yeah, there's us. And again, like outside of death metal or like doom or anything like that, I mean, we have like chemists who was starting to blow yeah. up. Primitive man. You know, and basically, yeah, like it's like this whole thing where all of a sudden in Denver, like all these bands are getting like noticed outside of Denver and Denver starts becoming a really strong scene. That's so cool. And we're seeing some smaller bands pop up, but to like see just in death metal in general, like I said, it's been super cool. It's, I, I personally love it. I love watching. And like seeing new bands like come up, like I'm trying to think of like a prime example, like that band Oshuary, who happens to be like, I think re-released on Maggot Stomp. Not sure if they're on the label, Mm -hmm. but they're from Madison, Wisconsin. And like I put that on, I was like, this is just ignorance. It's like gross. It's filthy. It's disgusting. And it's like, this it's like, yeah, this is, this is sick. And you know, when it came, like there's a band Profane Order from Montreal who blew me away when I heard that. So I'm a little more war metal, but I was just like, this is cool. Cause like, I think there's a little bit of something for anybody who may be venturing into it. And especially for like young kids, like, you know, who are going to be the next crop, who are going to start bands, who are going to write things, who are going to start, you know, putting out records when the older bands start to fall off, you yeah. know, like yep. it's just going to be the natural progression. I think for the first time since like, sheesh, since the nineties, like you're seeing a plethora of things. And I don't know if that's just from, accessibility with like online presence of bands now and Bandcamp and SoundCloud and yep. Spotify's and whatever. It's just like 
I think the fact that there's so much availability now that these, like anybody can go, well, I'm into war metal this week, and next week I'm into old school death metal, and then I'm into porno grind this week, and then <laughs> next week I'm into doom metal. You know, it's like there's so much out there now that I think the it's been just in death metal now. Like there's something for everybody. If you want a little bit more, you know, death doom, you got it. You want something a little more blackened and grindy, and you can you can have it. You know, it's like there's all these different bands, and it's super cool to watch. So yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped on it. I think it's been great. And just shout out to all the bands out there who are, you know, still working hard and just touring. Like for me personally, I think a big part of that is get your ass on the road. Like we have been touring relentlessly for the past eight years as yeah. a band, and I have nothing but respect for bands that just put all the chips on the table and go for broke. Go, we're gonna go out and we're gonna play some really awful shows. <laughs> And we're going to play some good shows. And yeah. then next time we come through, maybe we'll play a little bit of the better shows. Mm-hmm. You know, like the first time, a couple of times we played Seattle, they were bust. Like, no offense yeah. to the promoters or anything else. We were a small band. Like, no one came out for us. No one knew who we were. We were just trying to make ways for ourselves to get out there. And then you said you saw us at Northwest Terror Fest. And mm-hmm. that was just Amazing. awesome. That yeah. was like just a great show. Like, one of my favorite shows to play live. And I like we weren't expecting that response either. We didn't expect people to really care about us. I was like, no one's going to stay down here. Everyone's going to go upstairs for the next band and whatever. I think Necrot was after us. They played on, they played upstairs yeah. at Numo's and um, I was like, everyone's going to leave but I was like, well, there's a lot of people here. I'm like, no, the crowd maintained the whole set. Yep. Yeah, so it was a, it was super cool to just like, like I said, like if you work hard, not saying we're the biggest band in the world, we're not the next Morbid Angel or, you know, whatever, but it's like, I think it's like to see how we went playing our first shows on tours in tiny basements to whole bars or, you know, people's backyards, you know, to go play Barboza on a downstairs stage and hold our own and show people like, Hey, we're not, we're not to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. We're not to be, you know, anything like that. We are a band that can hold our own and we will show you live that we can do that. So yeah, that's what I say for bands that just keep touring, just do it. Like get out there. Like I understand hype is easy. Getting hype and yeah. selling a ton of merch online is, is pretty quick and easy for a lot of people nowadays. But for me to really like pay attention to a band, me personally, when I see them like dedicated to being on the road, I'm like, hell yeah, this band has it. This band is like serious about doing this. So yeah, nice dude. Well, uh, okay, so we're. T- I don't want to get off the subject of death metal just yet, and I'm gonna put you on the spot, man. <laughs> okay, so I want. We all know the the, the big four of American thrash metal, right? So it's uh, what they call Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth, Metallica, right? So if you, yeah, if, yeah. if they sat you down and said, "All right, dude, you gotta create the big four of death metal," what would your big four be? Cool. For the basic answers, I'll definitely put. For me personally, Morbid Angel and Death, just because I mean, I think anybody would do that and anybody would want to do that. But man, beyond that, that is such a (laughs) open, open bag. That's a mixed bag of nuts right there for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, for classic bands, like it's like you know, I guess like the thrash world, like you said, like Slayer and Metallica. It's like, man. Definitely more of an angel. Definitely death. I'm going to go ahead and throw blasphemy in there just because they they were doing it so long ago. Yeah, they were doing their own style so long ago. Yeah, and I think they're that's the, they're the perfect example of the saying. It's like was it easily replicated, never duplicated, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like whatever that uh, or imitated, whatever the saying is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think blas I think blasphemy deserves to be on there for 
blending black metal with a death aesthetic and death metal lyrics and just war. Like, so they took yeah. a, an approach that I think other bands were like, whoa. I mean, yeah, you had like Sarcophago and other bands like that doing stuff similar, but I think Blasphemy really honed in. Pretty much credit to John. Everyone yeah. after that. Yeah, they, they completely made the whole red font on black background or white background with a goat and a sword dismembering, you know, <laughs> angels. Like, yep. it's, it's pretty much, they did that. They did that. Any band that wants to follow after that, you, you pay homage immediately to Blasphemy for what they've done. Totally. So, I would put Blasphemy. For me personally, Blasphemy up there just because they're also one of my favorite bands. So. All right. What's number four? And then, oh, man. Uh, you know what? It's, it's not. It's probably not my first choice or probably not even my fourth choice, but I'm going to put him in there just because I think this band opened up the gateways for Maggot Stomp. They opened up for this new wave of like bands that are like, they don't need to be on a major label. They don't need to be on a huge label. They just need to be putting out demos and they're getting big. They're getting huge. Like, you know, there's countless of bands doing that right now. And I think this band opened up a floodgate for that style to go, you don't need to be overly technical. You don't need to have tons of riffs. Yeah. Frankly, you can just ride a power chord riff style for an entire song and, and you're going to put out a full, full record and tour and be considered one of the most classic death metal bands and that's obituary. Oh, you know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, for me, for me personally, I, I mean, I love obituary. I wouldn't probably not put them in the top four, but for influential reasons and seeing where death metal is going nowadays. You know, like, totally. you know, you have bands that like will always pay, will honor like Gorgut and Demolich, things like that, the Finnish style. But then, like, I think for what's happening in American death metal right now that people are seeing around the world and hearing about more and more and just kind of, like you said, knuckle-dragging. Yep. Just not, not, the, not the thinking man's death metal, just the barbarian death metal. Yep. I think obituary was, like, made it okay to be that way. So, yeah, I'd put obituary in there. Nice, dude. Okay, well, let's get uh, let's continue to get nerdy with it, man, and and, and let's uh, let's think back to uh, and and even if it's embarrassing, and and even more if it's embarrassing, I want to know before you know, and, and I'm talking about um, like a cool older brother giving you a CD or a tape. What was the first album that you purchased on your own with your own like chore money, uh, CD, tape, whatever? First piece of music you purchased with your own money. Master of Puppets by Metallica. It yeah. was the first one I actually had. Like, I actually had some own money, and I remember being nice in junior high. I was I was an eighth grader, and I think like some kid like had a shirt on. I was like, I don't know what that is. And then I would always hang out at the same record store that was like up the street from my house in the suburbs, like a little bit north of Denver. Yeah. And uh, eventually, I got a job. I eventually I got a job there, and that pretty much opened up the floodgates because I worked with like, you know, a bunch of older dudes who had been listening to music, you know, for through the sixties and seventies, they were like one dude was super heavy into metal. One guy was into classic rock. Some yep. guys like jazz. Yep. There's a punk kid that worked there. Basically at the age of 15, I just had a buffet of music thrown my way. That's great. Where it was everything. They're like, here, listen to bad brains and listen to black flag. But then this other guy I worked with Bob, who we're still friends with to this day. He's known me since I was 15. And I'm Ooh. about to be, I'm about to be 36 in three days yeah, and uh, nice, nice. we still talk to each other, but he gave me my first dark throne record. He yeah, was the first awesome. one showing me 
Norwegian, like, you know, black metal. Like, yeah. kind of showing me all that stuff and being, you know, imagine being 15 going, whoa, these dudes hate God and <laughs> they have their faces painted. Like, what the, what the hell's happening? You know, you know, you, and then like Slayer being shown that and I was like, whoa, these guys have like upside down crosses. Like, what the, what the fuck is this? And, yeah. You know, so, but the first, the first money I had was Metallica. And I think any, like, any kid could admit the first time they heard like, even one off of Injustice, you know, you hear that song go, whoa, this is the heaviest thing I've ever heard in my life. And, totally. You know, you listen back to it. It's a, always a classic beat. You know, part of me listens back and go, God, Lars Ulrich sucks. <laughs> but beyond that, but beyond that, that was my first record I bought with my own money. And I yeah. think I remember I was like, I had to be like, thir- yeah, 13 or something like that. They tail into being 13. But where I used to get my haircut as a kid was in that same plaza. And my dad would go the same time as me, so he would drive me. I'd get uh-huh. my haircut first, then he'd sit down to get his. And I like would save my money up from my, you know, odd and end chores like that, being a kid. And I would walk over to the music store and hang out while my dad was getting his haircut. And that's when I would start buying things and slowly started building up like a quote unquote CD collection. And finally, one summer, those dudes were like, "Hey, like you're here every day. Like, do you just want a job?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's nice. my mom." And and then from then on, I think I worked there for seven years. What was the record and, store? You know, obviously, just it was called Angelo's. I think they cool. still have a couple of locations around Denver. I know that one, yeah. that particular location, I worked at as like a pho restaurant now. Okay. But uh, you know, they, it's the hot Asian soup on top of my memories. But it's cool. And um, <laughs> they, um, but yeah, so that's where I had my first job. I was kind of just like. Like I said, just my my whole world had opened up. I was kind of like a sheltered child. I was yeah. a only child. My mom was my mom was a little like religious and a little overprotective. And uh-huh. My dad just worked a ton, you know. So it was just kind of like I, I had no siblings, no really older cousins that listened to anything but hip hop. And everyone I went to school with had to listen to hip hop. And I was like, yep. to fit in, I had to listen to hip hop. And I think, you know, when I first started hearing something else, you know, like distorted guitars, I was like, whoa! I think I click with this a little bit better than hip hop. Like. To this day, I will always love most rap and hip hop from my the, that era. Yeah. Like, if you ask anybody, that's what I listen to mostly. But uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think when I finally heard like metal for the first time and punk, I was like, "This is it. This is what I love, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to pay attention to." And even going through high school and college, it was just kind of like, "Yeah." The minute I think I was in college, I had like living with like some friends in a house. I was like, "Let's start a band. Let's just be yeah. in a band." I suck at guitar, but let's just try this. And, you know, through trial and error and bands here and there and, you know, friends falling apart and friendships falling apart yeah. through all that, you know, it kind of just something clicks at one point. You find some people that you go, wow, we work really well together and we like each other and let's see where this goes. And that's kind of like, you know, what led me to a feather and bone. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, the thing is, is like, I, I love that you, you worked at a record store because I worked at a record store for years and, and I will definitely pay, uh, a lot of respect to the, my employee, uh, my coworkers at that place and, and not just like metal, hardcore punk, but they also exposed me to a lot of really cool jazz music and, and soul music stuff that I never would have like ventured out and listened to myself. But just being in that situation where you get so many, uh, a diverse amount of, of sounds and it's just, like it's it's the coolest thing for a music nerd to to work at a record store. It might not make you rich or anything, but you certainly get rich as far as just like your musical knowledge, and you just like you just soak it all in, man. And and I pay a uh, a lot of uh, definitely respect to the fact that that's where my base of my music knowledge started was was working at that record store. 
Yeah, seriously, it's it's you just become a, you become more appreciative. Yep. And like some people, are like oh, I can't listen to country, and I'm like, oh no, man, this is really good country out there. Yeah. I think as you get older, you kind of start going like, I'm gonna listen to where the fuck I want to listen to. Like totally. I'm unapologetic about what I like because it's like, who do I have anything to prove to mm-hmm. anymore? I'm an older, I'm getting older now, and I'm like, whatever. I'm just gonna listen to what I want to listen to, you know, and. Yeah. Be controversial about it, I guess. When with like it's like, yeah, some some days I want to listen to the country, why the hell not? You know, or some days I just want to listen to free form jazz and <laughs> Totally. And maybe every day when I wake up I'm not listening to, you know, revenge. You know, I'm not waking up in the morning and brushing my teeth to it. But you know, there's a yeah. time and place for everything and I think being well rounded in music also allows you to write better. It allows you to pull from different experiences different aspects different viewpoints not just one viewpoint you know and i think anybody would be doing a disservice to themselves as a musician or artist or whatever to not be able to be well-rounded in your field and know everything that's around it you know because some things could just kind of blend in really nicely so yeah. I, I don't know what you're talking about bro i listen to conquer right as soon as i wake up <laughs> that's all I listen to. Yeah, just right. Conquer and more for I, I eat Conqueror for breakfast. That's all I'm doing. So <laughs> I remember, I remember be, uh, just being so perplexed. I, I knew this guy, and uh, he, I went, you know, back when it was just only iPods. I still use my iPod, but back when it was just iPods and not streaming. So you would, you would scroll through someone's, you know, music collection. And I remember I scrolled through his music collection, and it was just all hardcore. And I was like, wait, so. Do you ever get in different moods? Like, uh, it's, and he's just like, nah, man, I just listen to hardcore. And I was just like, it kind of was just like, uh, I mean, I love hardcore, yes, but at the same time, it's like, uh, what's. I need, I need more. I need more. <laughs> there's more out there. There's yeah. so much, there's so much more out there. There's so much cool music out there that, you know, I think you should just listen to. Like, I mean, even when I was Where's your Led Zeppelin, dude? Like, come on, man. Where's your Pink Floyd on there? Come yeah. On. <laughs> That's exactly what I was just going to say. When I was a kid, you I would not be caught in bed listening to Pink Floyd. I was like, that is some hippie nerd, and I'll never listen to it. Yeah. And here I am now. I have the entire collection on vinyl. Nice. And I listen to them at least once a week now. Yeah. And I think, you know, 16-year-old me is shaking his head at, my, at myself now going like, man, you sold out. You're getting like, old and crusty. Wrote, yeah, they wrote some jams, though. Totally. harder jams than most bands did. So, yeah, exactly. I think you just kind of you grow up, and I think I get a, a really good perspective of that now because I work with a one of my coworkers. He's twenty years old, about to be twenty one. Yeah, and he's super into hardcore. That's his whole life right now. Okay, and you know, I'm like, I'm like, have you ever listened to like bands that can kind of blend genres? He goes, no. No, and I'm like, Jesus, man, have you ever heard of, like, I think one day we put on Sam Cooke, he goes, what's this? I go, you never heard of Sam Cooke? Yeah. Like, this is like, this, this is, like, this is, every, this is soul, this yeah. is like the soul man, like, yeah. to come on, so it's like, yeah, you kind of like, look back and go, and like, I think some it's people like, get frustrated it's not knock loose, bro, I don't know kids, it. Like, <laughs> exactly, exactly, and I think, where's the know, mosh I part? Like, I look, I look back on him, and I just kind of go, you know what, I was the same way, yep. I was, I was, Stubborn, hot-headed, didn't want to listen to anything else that anybody told me to listen to or would suggest to me, and like you know, just shake my like cross my arms and shake my head and go, nope, not listening to this. This is not my thing, you know. And I kind of see it in him, and I kind of like have a little more understanding. Some people go, why is he so like stubborn? I'm like, he's a 20 year old kid, like he is growing and learning and evolving, and hell, like 
20 year old me couldn't be anywhere further from where I'm at right now. <laughs> you know, not, not as a person overall, but like, you know, I'm still who I am, but yeah, you know, I have some different belief systems than I did back then. And you know, like just a lot of different things. I was sober back then and definitely not now anymore. So I think it's just like you kind of evolve and change. And ah, that's why you like not, Floyd. Uh, not, <laughs> it made let's, let's say let's say the first time I, I smoked a joint, I was like, yeah, Pink Floyd makes sense now. Oh, kind of man. started playing in the background. I was like, whoa, there it is. <laughs> you know, what's funny is uh, I have a friend, and, and uh, actually shout out to my friend Tim Trust. Uh, he sings for a band called Earth Control, Owen Hart, uh, also uh, formerly known yeah, as Owen yeah, Hart. Yeah. You know Tim Trust? So, uh, yeah, he's also in the Helm, Doss Helm. Uh, he was talking about one time, so he was straight edge forever, and, and finally he, he you know, quote unquote, broke edge, man. He sold out. Uh, and he's and he smoking <laughs> weed, right? And he said how stoked he was to, uh, so all these albums that he loved, he was stoked to go back and listen to them on weed so he's like you know like now i can finally listen to dope smoke dope smoker you know on weed <laughs> i can finally listen to uh, dope throne on weed you know it's a different process dude, you know? i went and dude i went and listened to sabbath right off the bat i yep. think the second day after i started smoking weed i was like i'm gonna go put on sabbath and i was like yep i get it this is the most amazing band in the world yep Absolutely. So, I mean, you always appreciate it when you're a kid, like, listening to it. But I think when it hit me, I was like, yep, these dudes knew what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> so, I was the yeah, same way, though. When I, I, was, I agree with Tim. When I was a kid, though, like, uh, you know, growing up, if someone would have put on Blue Oyster Colt, I would have been like, where's the mosh part, bro? Like, where's the exactly. breakdown? <laughs> this is yeah, like, oh, wait, bro. This is <laughs> so this isn't satisfaction. I don't want to listen to it. So. I know, man. Oh, anyways, uh, so we're getting into a rabbit hole with that, and 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 uh, so I'm talking with Alvino from uh, from a feather and bone a killer band from from Colorado. Now, just a couple more questions for you. Uh, get on the on the subject of music and and albums that have made an impact in, on your life. Uh, why don't you pick four albums that have made like a positive impact on your life throughout throughout your life? Oh, just in general, not just in metal. No, all all together, man. All albums growing up that have made a positive impact on your life. Damn. Let's see here. Number one, Neurosis, Time of, uh, Times of Grace. Nice. That album taught me it was okay to be vulnerable. That it taught oh, me wow. it was okay to to think things could be beautiful and not everything had to be just completely deathy and you know just dark and everything it was like you can still be dark you could still be sad but there's a delicacy to it sometimes like yeah. sometimes there's a little bit more depth to it and when i heard times of grace i remember just liking the album cover like i think there was posters hanging in the record store and i was like i really like that wolf thing that thing looks sick and so one of the dudes that worked with me you never heard neurosis i go no he goes here you should like time that's times of grace it's coming out and i was like cool i'm gonna check it out and you know, after that, I was like, this band is, like, phenomenal. I've seen them so many times. have seen them just, like, every time I have to go see them, I was like, I have to see this band. So, yeah, I would put Times of Grace up there just because it, like, it opened me up a little bit more to other things. And I think at that time I didn't know even really know what Doom or quote-unquote Stone or Doom or whatever it falls into. I just think at that time I had no idea what that was. And I was like, this is something completely new to me, and yeah. it has always stuck with me. I think I want to... I think I went on a huge neurosis kick, like, I want to say last month. I think it was, like, the first, like the first or second week of the of being quarantined. I just, like, started listening to all of them. And I think I did, like, an Instagram post or something like that. I was like, you know, what's your favorite song and album? And I was just like, it was cool. Maybe just kind of reconnect with that band a little bit more. Yeah. And actually, it's funny. 
I found a hoodie too, which kind of sparked it. Um, I have a Times of Grace hoodie I got from Zion's Gate in Seattle yeah, when we were on out. tour. Like shout it was, out. yeah, it was it was it was hanging up on the ceiling, and I was like, "What size is that?" He goes, "Extra large." He's like, "I'll buy it now." And he goes, "I'm like, how much is it?" Seventy. I was like, "I don't care. I'll take it right now." Yep. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was like I think that Times of Grace just holds a special place. Um, a second album. It's actually, you know, it's weird. It's Rock and Rio. I think it was came out what two thousand and two from Iron Maiden. Yeah. And unlike most people, like I didn't grow up with Maiden. I didn't grow up with Priest. I grew like I found Metallica on my own, and that's when like Megadeth opened up and yeah. heard of Anthrax and Slayer. So the big four opened up for me, and then other bands kind of associated. But I was never into like a little bit older stuff that came out like early eighties to like late, you know, mid and late seventies, like Priest. But I remember I was again. It always ties back to the record store, but it had came out when I was a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and I remember we put it on over the speakers, and I was like, "This is so sick!" Like all these people like singing these songs. It sounds huge, like recorded. Like that soundboard recording is phenomenal still to this day. Oh yeah! And it came out as a DVD CD set, and I took it home and I put it on the DVD on like my like my PlayStation or whatever in my room, and I watched the whole set, and I was like. I fucking love my uh, Iron Maiden. Like this band is amazing. It's corny. Like I started watching like old videos of them. And, like, so I was, like, Man, these guys are wearing like spandex and they're he has bangs. I was like, God, these guys are nerds and they sing about nerdy. Shit. But something about it is just so cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I was like, yeah. But I, it, I and it would I never would have delved into that band as deep as I did at that age if it wasn't for Rock and Rio. And it's actually because uh, Fear of the Dark. They yeah. like start it, and then and then the whole crowd just starts like, yep. yeah, they do the woes, yeah, they do the woes with it. And I think you know, you're an 18 year old kid, you hear that and go, holy, shit, that's so sick. I'm yep. just, like this is perfect. So yeah, I would um, definitely put that in there as a number as a as a top four for sure. Okay. Um, next, next, I'll go into death metal for this. Yeah, because this band kind of just like it made it at least being in a feather and bone. It made me go, the formula, anything else, let's just blast it and let's just be unrelenting. And this band kind of helped, not really guide us. They're not really like, we don't really try to like sound like them or anything like that. But I think all of us heard this band around the same time. Maybe Dave heard it a little bit before us. And when we all started listening to them and then finally seeing them live when we got to play with them, we played with them in Mexico City. We saw Dead Congregation. Nice. And Promulgation of the Fall. You know, it just, there's no intro, there's no synth, there's no creepy noises, no feedback. It's just pop, pop, done. And just, it just blasts and blasts yep. and just keeps blasting. But it's like the whole album, they keep it interesting. They don't let up. They don't, there's no, there's just no sympathy. There's no care. There's no apology for no foreplay. who they are and writing. Yeah, exactly. It's just like they're sticking <laughs> it in, going forward. They're not, they're not even gentlemen about it. And, uh, and so when we got to see them live finally in Mexico City, I had heard like they had a, a hellacious trip. Like these dudes had played Quebec Death Fest, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And then had to fly immediately after the show, like at night, red eye, into Mexico. Flight yeah. gets delayed or something like that happens to yeah. them. And they show up as the fest is starting. And of course they're headlining, so they have most of the day to go relax and rest. Yeah. But like even then, like the jet lag, the you know, they're from Greece, so I can only imagine the culture shocks of, you know, going from Canada to Mexico 
immediately right off the bat from yep. one another. These dudes like put on an incredible show. Flawless. That's awesome. They went up there and they just they just blew me away. They blew everybody away. And I think a lot of people I know hadn't really seen them yet. And I remember I think it was like last year they did those shows in like on the East Coast for a little bit, like New yeah. York and like Boston or something like that. They played in a couple shows and people were posting going, this is the most amazing band I've ever seen live. It's like, I'm exactly like when you see them, you just understand. I think people listen to them and go, Oh, this is cool. This band's really sick. Maybe they're cool. Cause they got a lot of hype or everyone knows they're a cool band or whatever, but it's not until you see them live that you go, Holy like, this is how it's done. Like yeah. this is proficient. It's savage. It's not overly technical, but yet still can be. Yeah. And their drummer is just a machine. So yeah, they were, promulgation of the fall that just made me like at least as a band all of us kind of go be unapologetic write what you want to write if it's blasty because i mean beast show him got a lot of cr- like criticism for being overly blasty and not enough slow parts or whatever but it's like even then it's like we didn't care we wanted it that way. yeah and i think for me personally dead congregation kind of like was like <laughs> you know behind us going like go for it who cares what they think? And I'll be like, you're right. They're on my shoulder. Tell me we got to do this. I'm just blast the whole way through this album. Yeah. So I definitely give it to promulgation of the fall. Nice. So that was definitely like the more metal side. And then we got one more. Lastly, I'm going to throw, I'm going to just throw a wild card out there for this one. Cause it's like, I can't, can't not plug the fact that mob deep the infamous is nice. like one of my favorite albums of all time hell yeah it's just they were kids they were kids it's real it's like it's the streets it's like the true struggle of what it's like to be a kid let alone a kid in a in crime infested just basically no future no hope your destiny to be dead or go to jail yeah and it's just so honest like it's such an honest record and again they didn't care they were like 19 or whatever and mm-hmm. saying like we don't care you're a snitch you're a snitch you're a you're a punk and we don't care and we're gonna keep doing us so yeah i think being a punk kid and hearing like the you know just kind of like coming from a punk background <clears throat> hearing the the similarities of hip-hop to punk music yeah. are so like they're just there like you yep. can't deny the fact that like not saying like little john is the next craft but i'm saying like there's bands that, you know, like Mod Deep and Nas, Bone mm-hmm. Thugs, things like that, Dr. Dre even, you know, things like that are coming from the West Coast. It's like that stuff all has a social message to it. It has some sort of struggle yeah. with it. It may not be about demon it may not be about demons. It may not be about, you know, corpses rising from the grave and fing your girlfriend, but it's like it's something a little more Grave diggers is tangible that you yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. And that's a perfect record, by the way. Don't even get me started on that. But um, it's either Infamous or I'd give it to 36 Chambers by Wu-Tang. Nice. Those two records, just as a kid, I listened to them over and over and over and over. And I still listen to them to this day over and over and over. Actually, I went for a run earlier before we did this call. Yeah. And that's all I ran to was the, was the infamous. And I think that maybe nice. that's why I'm like mentioning it because it's like, yeah, I had to throw something, a curveball in there that isn't rock or metal or anything else like that. So yeah. So no, the four. neurosis, <laughs> iron maiden, dead congregation and mob. Do you put those together? You get of feather and bone. <laughs> At least on my end. <laughs> there you go. So again, uh, talking with Alvino. I know, actually, 
Oh, sorry, uh, Alvino oh, Sacedo, no, no, just, no, just to, to remind, if in case you're just tuning in uh, from A Feather and Bone, and, and uh, I just wanted to, to ask you one more question, dude. So, uh, actually, happy birthday, happy early birthday in a couple days. Um, you're going to be turning 36. So out of these 30s, you're welcome. Uh, these 36 years, <laughs> pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got that scar, Alvino. Oh, man, I got the perfect one. There's one on... My wrist. It's actually on my right wrist. I'm actually looking at it right now. Uh-huh. We were playing a show. Uh, we were playing some show in Reno. It was really not that good of a show. Uh, just kind of whatever. But I had just gotten a new knife uh-huh. that I was like had on me, and I was like, "This, this is such a cool knife. I want this knife on me. Like, this is so sweet. I'm so stoked to have it. It's like obviously factory brand new. So this thing is sharp. It's razor sharp. Oh. And I think we're just kind of chilling in the van. Like everyone's kind of like tired, you know, like I don't want to hang out in this venue. Let's just go sit in the van and take, you know, take some time to ourselves. And I was sitting in the driver's seat and this is like 20 minutes before we have to play. And Dave is like sitting in the passenger side. And this is it, man. This is like seven, six years ago at least. Okay. And, I'm playing with the knife, like opening it, closing it, opening. It's a collapsible. And Dave goes, "You're gonna cut." He's like, "You're gonna cut yourself. Stop messing with that." And I go, "No, I won't." And at that very moment, I drop the knife, not even hard, kind of guillotine style, right on my wrist. Uh, and I go, "Whoa!" And I'm just like, "Whoa!" And Dave's like, "See, I told you." I go, "Nothing happened." And we both looked at it, and like it had cut so clean that the vessels hadn't started bleeding yet. Oh, no. So you just saw fat, like a couple, like a layer of fat, and then blood. And Dave's like, I told you, yeah, I knew you were going to hurt yourself. I was like, I didn't mean to. It was an accident. And so I was like, we got to, like, what do we do? It's like, we got to play. And he was like, what are you going to do? I was like, oh, just give me the toilet paper in the back and get some tape. And I was like, looking for duct tape. I was like, we don't have any duct tape. And I was like, get the masking tape for the merch. So yeah. I'm masking, like, our friend who was with us, she puts masking tape and the like, toilet paper on it. Mm-hmm. And I go, cool. That'll hold until we're done. I'll get some super glue. And so we play the whole set, and the whole time I just remember looking down at my, and it's like, you know, it's my pick hand. So I'm strumming with that hand. And I look down, and just my whole hand is covered in blood. I see people looking at me because I don't wear my glasses on, so I'm just blind as a bat. Yeah. And I can see people's faces kind of just looking at me, like going, what the hell is happening right now? Why is he bleeding? And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's that scar, and it's still there, and it never went away. You know, and like I said, after the show, we went to Walgreens. And I picked up some super glue and like, I think some just like better bandages. And we got to this kid's house. We were staying that night and yeah, I just kind of held it together. My friend, she super glued it and we taped it up and that was it. And that was history. And like, you know, it's actually a pretty straight line, not too bad of a scar. So not bad, <laughs> but yeah, that's, there's that one. So yeah, that was, a, it was a tour story with a scar story. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I'm, I'm gonna let you go. I know it's, uh, around, uh, almost 10, uh, where you are, and, and, uh, you are a hero. You're an essential worker. You ever thought, you ever been called a hero before? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Not for, not for the capitalist state, but I guess so this time, so I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Well, uh, do you have any final words for anyone that might be kind of going through it right now, stuck at home, maybe a little down? Oh, man, support bands, listen, like support art, listen to it, watch it, break out of your norm and yep. read a book you haven't read or something that you kind of held off checking out because of whatever excuse of like, I don't have time for it. Just listen to something you've never thought you'd listen to. Now you got and the time. Maybe you find some, some, some direct, you have time now. You maybe find some direction with it. Who knows? Music is powerful. Movies are powerful. Books are powerful. Art is just powerful. Yep. So 
support bands while you can right now, support anybody who needs it and yeah, stay strong. So that's, uh, that's what I got. <laughs> and pick up the Of Feather and Bone record, Bestial Hymns of Perversion. Alvino Sacedo from Salcedo, sorry, from Of Feather and Bone. Thanks so much, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good night. This has been Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.